Hello, Erica. Happy birthday weekend, Stephen. It's my birthday weekend. Thanks very much for remembering that. It's nice of you to do that. Yeah, in uh, 36 minutes, it will legit be your birthday. Well, technically in 36 minutes plus another 100 minutes because I was born at 20 to 2 in the morning on February 3rd, 1975, which is the same year that apparently the invasion takes place, apparently. Does it actually say that on screen anywhere? Do they say that? I don't remember noticing anything in particular. No, I think it was just the script was set in 1975. I could be wrong about that, but, you know, unit dating, come on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, we have uh, watched episodes seven and eight of The Invasion, finishing off this epic story. Yes, epic story. It wasn't intended to be an epic story. It was intended to be a four-part Cyberman story with another uh, uh, story coming after that, but then that story fell through, so they said, well, looks like we're doing an eight-part Cyberman story now, so everything was sort of padded out and... Um, also, I want to I want to point out before I move on something that I forgot to do all all the way up to this point. It's a return of one um, classic uh, thing regarding Doctor Who and the beginning of another classic thing regarding <laughs> Doctor Who. The return is that Doctor Who is back at Lime Grove Studios <laughs> as of the invasion, and it will last up until I think sometime in the space part. So I want to say episode five or episode six or something like that uh, is they're back at the, the inadequate mm, Lime Grove yeah. Studios. Um, so that that's one thing. The, one, the, the debut this story is one script editor named Terrence Dix. This is his first. We haven't mentioned that. He's, he's been in there because Peter Bryant was kind of less... Yeah, he was producing, I suppose, this one, but Derek Sherwin was busy writing it, and so they needed someone as a script editor, and so Terrence Dix got the gig, thus starting a decades-long association with Doctor Who. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That That is yet another thing that makes me really appreciate this story. Yeah, and me too. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's over now. The Invasion, what did you think of, uh, of episodes uh, seven and eight? I, I quite like them, uh, as, I, as I like the rest of them. There's a lot more sort of action-y stuff going on, especially in, in episode eight, which uh-huh. I have a tendency to get bored during gunfights and stuff. But as I admitted while we were watching it, uh, as is, is well known amongst, uh, amongst classic Doctor Who fans, Douglas Camfield is an excellent, excellent action sequence director. I still, you know, I, I would rather watch people standing in a room and talking than I would uh, people throwing grenades and, and shooting at Cybermen. But if I have to watch people throwing grenades and shooting at Cybermen, uh, I would like to watch it directed by Douglas Canfield because there are a lot of really interesting camera angles, lots of kind of low angles pointed up that the Cybermen as they're lumbering in. And the what I have really appreciated was the what I call the, the classic kneecap shot, where it's just like a close-up on the knees of a Cyberman marching in and then somebody shooting shoots it and like it kind of stumbles back but all you're seeing is like from mid calf to mid thigh it's just it's weird but it's effective and it works yeah because the Simon are, are in shot as the ca- as the Simon walk past the camera and then the explosion happens and they're sort of blown back and you're right the camera stays stationary for that whole shot yep and you're just it's a it's a it's a weird framing but it's a weird framing in in a good and interesting way much more interesting I think than if you just saw it like from you know the chest and the head because mm-hmm. there are plenty of shots like that too but uh but yeah also it the fact that the soldiers are kneeling down behind things it's almost like the soldier's eye view if they could see through the boxes that they're hiding behind oh that's a good thought i never thought about the uh mm-hmm. 
the point of view aspect of that. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty neat. You know, you get like a bazooka kind of gun in there and lots of grenade throwing and and just shooting and, yeah. Explosions yeah. and everything else and mm-hmm. Royal Marines or the, some military outfit uh, giving their official... Uh, is it Air Force? What was it? Ministry of Defense, anyway. Oh, I, I, don't know. I thought you said Air Force while we were watching it. I don't know. I... I'm not a, a military aficionado. They're they're all the same to me. I know that's probably blasphemy oh, no. to say, but mm-hmm. you know. yeah, just like every episode of Doctor Who, just the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lock of Marines and the Navy are different because Marine is like sea and like they're oh, dear. Um, no, no. Um, what else? Tobias Vaughn sadly meets his end. First Packer does. Yeah. You know, th- like can one of them really survive without the other? <laughs> you know, like there's such a there's such a pair mm-hmm. uh, for as much as Vaughn shouts down Packer and puts him in his place. Like you can tell that they actually sort of they're a team. Packer, when at the end is is yelling at him, like, what did you do? Like, what mm-hmm. have you what have you done to all of us? They're taking over. Uh, and then, you know, Packer bites it. Vaughn has already started to lose lose his cool because he is recognizing what's happened like what what the cybermen really wanted of him after all like the doctor was right all along you can't make deals with those guys and uh like any classic really really um megalomaniacal villain Mm -hmm. tobias vaughn thinks he is in charge and thinks he's in control of every little aspect and when things start to fall apart he starts to fall apart and and yeah, once Packer is dead, I think that's sort of the final straw, and he's just he doesn't even know what to do. <laughs> well, I think it's I I, I appreciate um, <laughs> Packer's contribution and uh, your belief in their relationship and stuff, mm-hmm. but I I think he, as you say, he had lost it already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it it brings about one of my favorite things that happens in Doctor Who when, if only temporarily, the main villain and the Doctor mm-hmm. team up and are become a team. And, the, and we're, I feel kind of robbed that we don't have more Doctor Who and Tobias Vaughn running around mm-hmm. shooting Cybermen everywhere. Yeah, that was fun. It, that just made me think forward to the Doctor and the Master many, many, many times because that's kind of their, their MO. And uh, I feel like, you know, it, this episode in a lot of ways, or this story in a lot of ways, is sort of the, uh, the template for the unit years because you've got for the third doctor's era you've got unit you've got the brigadier and uh and also in a lot of of pertwee stories you've got the master and in the end the doctor and the master sometimes have a tendency to team up because the master's plans have gone terribly wrong so that's another way that i think this story is a bit of a template for that era yeah and uh you know fraser hines being on vacation for episode eight Mm -hmm. Only there in the end because it was filmed earlier before, and thus he's he's shot. He's shot almost off screen and never Uh seen again because oh, he's in the hospital. He's fine. Just a just a flesh wound. Yeah, just a flesh wound. And then Zoe sort of becomes like the you know the the computer genius Mm -hmm. solving the uh, missile problem. Almost sort of becomes like the Liz Shaw Mm -hmm. of Unit next year. We're we're laying all the groundwork ourselves here for for the Unit years. But yeah, Mm -hmm. the the groundwork is being laid. Yep, I do love Zoe 
being like just you know no you should just i think we can get 90 percent of them why don't we just try for all of it and give me 30 seconds and Mm -hmm. she is just absolutely confident that this is a thing that she can do she runs around she takes some readings she does the calculations mostly in her head says here here's the information put it in your computer and the guy's like i hope you're right or whatever he says and she's i am just with 100 percent confidence like why almost with disbelief that anybody would even question her it delights me yeah and then, of course, the immortal line, can't we keep her on, Brigitte? She's much prettier than a computer. Oh, yeah. and then I shake my head like, oh, yes, she's just a she's just a thing. Yeah. She's just a thing that they can keep, yeah. which is, you know, that's that's exactly what they would what uh, the fellows in that position would probably say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard you try, sometimes it's just 1968. Yeah. But uh, but she's that doesn't that doesn't uh, diminish the quality of her contribution. It was mm-hmm. still it was still super awesome. It was yeah, she's pretty cool. And I like I also like how the brigadier has complete faith in her too. Yeah, like you know just mm-hmm. let her have it. Let her have thirty seconds. Let's see where this goes. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh God, the brig is just so good in this. He is even when it's like the world is quite possibly going to end. You know, this is going to be a long twelve minutes. Yeah. Like I just love his delivery there. It is, it is so brigadier. Yeah. Benton knocks a cup over and he sort of like looks over admonishingly. <laughs> oh, Benton. Yeah. It's a shame in a way that the, that the brigadier wasn't there to say goodbye to the doctor and, and his friends. It was is left to Captain Turner, Jimmy, and uh, man Isabel to do that. Well, the brigadier has more important things to do than ferry people around to on back roads in a jeep and stuff. Like he is cleaning up after a worldwide catastrophe because you know yeah they were able to save the world, but people like all over the planet basically fell asleep at whatever they were doing so like think about the amount of problems that that would would cause probably hundreds of thousands of people have died across the world you know doctors in the middle of surgery just passing out and the the, you know somebody with their doing having open heart surgery (laughs) died on the table you know bus drivers are crashing airplanes literally falling out of the sky like bad stuff was happening they didn't go into the details of that but you have to think that this was a much bigger deal than just what we saw at uh henlow whatever it was henley downs henley downs i don't know why i keep saying henlow but yeah um is that started with an h anyway yep but yeah, so so I feel like the brigadier in his position has a lot to <clears throat> explain and mm-hmm. a lot to clean up, and it makes perfect sense for him to send Jimmy uh, and Isabel off to <laughs> to play chauffeur to the doctor and his friends. Yeah, finding their TARDIS again and zapping mm-hmm. off into time and space. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it looks like we've got a uh, love connection made there at the end between Isabel and her Dolly Soldier. Dolly Soldier, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. I'm not sure how long I think that relationship's going to last, but I, I'm glad that they're having fun together. Uh, probably as quickly as Isabel is, um, takes a job somewhere mm-hmm. um, elsewhere yep. out of the country for mm-hmm. being a photographer. Yep. And, you know, good for her. She seems like a free spirit, and mm. he seems like a, a career soldier. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I feel like we're wrapping this up um, a little quickerly. Then, no, you got other stuff to say? Quickerly? Yeah, it's my birthday. I'm allowed to make up words. <laughs> it's not your birthday for another 25 minutes. My birthday weekend. <laughs> um. Yeah. What? What else? Uh, we have the doctor being um delightfully delightfully doctorish, just going off <clears throat> on his own mm-hmm. to try to convince convince Vaughn. And when he shows up, Vaughn looks, as you said. <clears throat> 
genuinely surprised that the doctor has shown up at his facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was neat. He sort of was like, Real? yeah, it's it's the first time you really see Tobias taken aback at something. Like, even when he gets angry, it's more just out of, dis- you know, he's just angry because this should have happened. But, like, it's like, what? And he even looks up at Packer as they say, what is happening here? This is So maybe actually him looking at Packer is kind of like, you're right, maybe confirmation of their relationship because he looks to him yep. oddly. He never looks to him for confirmation of something. He tells Packer what to do. Mm-hmm. And when he sees the doctor show up at, at the headquarters there, you're right, he's going, what is going on, Packer? Do you know what's going on? For a moment there, there are equals. Yeah. Yep, I really think that they are more. It's just it's one of those relationships where you know one of the people in the relationship is more abusive than the other. I guess, yeah. even though Packer's the one that's physically abusive to to lots of people, but uh, but yeah, they they are not expecting the doctor to show up, and then the doctor tries to you know tries to convince him doesn't do a, a great job because he's already starting to lose it and he just you know he pa- tobias vaughn thinks he's got everything under control mm-hmm. yeah i think episode seven was a, a seven or eight packer episode I, I can't remember yeah um but yeah sadly episode eight only has uh only has two direct packers and one indirect because he dies yeah and you have an ex-packer and so, <laughs> so does tobias vaughn yeah that's true yeah swinging on the rail in <laughs> behind the famous shot of of Troughton, uh mm-hmm. jumping up to avoid all the explosions yeah yeah i've seen that a clip of of the second doctor jumping um you know hippity hopping in front of all those explosions a bunch of times and it's only within the past i don't know year at some point where where somebody posted a gif of it and kind of pointed out how macabre it is that you can actually see packer's body dangling over the railing in the background and Patrick Troughton is just like he just draws your eye because mm-hmm. he's so delightful in his capering in the foreground that I would never have noticed it if somebody hadn't pointed it out so Stephen kind of you mentioned that yeah. and then I was like oh my god I missed it again so we rewound and, and watched and it's as you said a perfect bit of continuity because not only is is he draped over the railing in front of that door, but he's actually still swinging, like his body is still swinging as you see that happening. So it's, uh, yeah, nice work. That's attention to detail. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that's that's lining up an entirely different shot. It takes several minutes probably. Maybe they even did it out of sequence, just given where the cameras were and everything. And so to have the, you know, <laughs> Kevin Stoney, you know, Douglas Campbell's like, hey, Kevin, get up there, swing a little bit. When I tell you, start swinging a little bit because you've just been shot. It's way off in the background. You don't see it. You, you know, you could just as easily have sort of said, oh, he fell down out of, out of view. Like yep. mm-hmm. so many bodies have done on Doctor Who mm-hmm. but the fact that Camfield uh, kept that in there was was yeah attention to detail so you think that was Camfield and not uh, Kevin Stoney being like I was right here this is this is where I should be I should be moving it could have been a combination of both mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I, I wouldn't put it past either of them because yep. they're both excellent at their craft yep both professionals mm-hmm. truly mm-hmm. Um, this uh, episode 8 also features uh, the doctor driving a vehicle for the first time in Doctor Who history <laughs> That's right. You there's pointed your, that out. Your bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does. It's it just it feels weird because I think driving a, a car or a truck or a jeep or whatever it was like that. It feels like such a mundane terrestrial task that we have never seen the doctor do anything like that before. Mm-hmm. It really it does feel jarring and sort of out of place to see the doctor, especially the second doctor, 
um, behind the wheel of a vehicle. Like when I think about the third a, doctor. A jeep too. That's the thing. Yeah. Like it's an army jeep. But just mm-hmm. like the do- Troughton's doctor and the army go hand in hand in this. And, and Troughton sort of like doesn't blink when he's, you know, mm-hmm. it, it feels like a weird marriage, you know? Yeah, it does. Like here, he, he hates computers, mm-hmm. but he's fine with jeeps, I guess. Yeah. And the military and soldiers and rockets and missiles, and he blows up the uh, Cyberman with the uh, Cerebratum Mentor after mm-hmm. it kills Packer, perhaps in revenge, mm-hmm. ve- avenging Packer's death, essentially. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what else was I going to say about these two episodes? There was something there, but now I think I've forgotten, alas. There's a lot of waiting around, I think, waiting for rockets to hit things. Mm-hmm. A lot of stock footage of rockets getting ready to uh, launch. And then the same stock footage and then the same stock footage. Yeah. Like you see it multiple <clears throat> times. Yeah, we see the same, um, that same cyber knee shot yes. reversed and, uh, as well as a previous shot as well. So we mm-hmm. see that same explosion. And why not? You know, yeah. you can reuse an explosion shot once or twice. Yeah, sure enough. Sure enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are, some, those are some fun explosion shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely a template for for what is to come. I wonder, like you know, at the time, I don't think it was like, oh, well, look, look for next year, folks, because this is what, how Doctor Who is going to be. Because it's around this time, uh, it was in the summer of '68, so just before they were about to shoot this, I think, or just around the time they were shooting it, when Trout said, "Yeah, I think I'm done at the end of this year." <laughs> Fraser Hines was going to leave earlier. He was going to leave at the end of the next serial, which wasn't at the time the Crotons. We'll get into that because there's a whole bunch of musical chairs going on for the rest of this season. But, and it was even announced to the press, Fraser Hines is leaving like in, you know, in a couple weeks or a few weeks or something. But Troughton said, tell you what, I'm leaving at the end of the year. Why don't you stick around to the end as well? We can, we can all go together. And so, Mm -hmm. so that's what happens. So, so Fraser Hines disobeyed his agent essentially and says, I'm staying, I'm staying because I'm having so much fun. Um, so, so yeah, but there's, there's a lot of the invasion was just the beginning of the, of the musical chairs when it comes to Mm -hmm. stories being rejected and everything. Talking about the second doctor being, you know, like A-OK with the army, that mm-hmm. it does seem a little weird because, you know, he's kind of the anarchic uh, anti-establishment doctor yeah. for a lot of his tenure. And then, you know, he runs into the, well, not the brigadier, the colonel um, in the, with the Yeti in the underground. And Web of Fear. Web yeah. of Fear. Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry. Uh, and, uh... And yeah, it's it's not like he's super on board with the ar- army or with unit. Uh, well, actually, that was that was the army at that point because this mm-hmm. is this is the beginning of unit. Um, he's not super, you know, anti army, but he's not super pro army at the time. But yeah, here then suddenly he's just like, oh yeah, these are my boys, these yeah. are my peeps. I will, you know, it, it, it's just it's it's definitely a it's definitely a bit of a shift, but. It's not as it's not a big enough shift that it bothers me. It's just something that seems a little strange. But it very much knowing what comes later, it just sort of feels like it's a natural progression. Yeah, only in retrospect does it mm. seem out of place yep. to me. You know, when when you know what's coming, it feels all right. But for yeah, you're right. Troughton is the anti-establishment doctor, mm-hmm. and so to see him sort of like very willingly and quickly align himself with the army or unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does seem a little bit jarring in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, watch it because I've seen this story a few times before. But now that I'm watching it in context and having seen all of the doctor's other, this doctor's other stories, mm-hmm. it does definitely seem 
more little weird and and slightly out of place but uh and and like i want to headcanon it and be like well he knows what a huge threat the cybermen are so of course he's going to latch on to any any kind of help he can get but the thing is he doesn't know that it's the cybermen until like halfway through the Mm -hmm. story and he's already just uh just um hanging out with with units so i guess the headcanon that i'm going to subscribe to is that that he and and alistair gordon lethbridge stewart mm-hmm. formed such a bond so quickly in the web of fear that it's not so much that he's okay with the establishment or the the military or unit he just really really trusts this guy mm-hmm. and this guy happens to be in charge of, of these people so he's trusting the brig mm-hmm. and the brig is trusting him very clearly so it's more of just like a meeting of the minds of two people and if it if the brig wasn't there that that would not be the case at all yeah everything else is peripheral mm-hmm. you know you think you think uh vaughn and packer are tight mm-hmm. but that's nothing compared to the doctor and the brigadier yep yeah, exactly. Yeah, as we'll see in in future episodes, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed this story. It's a very it's eight episodes, but it it's one of those ones where like this never seems to drag, does it? Uh uh-uh, uh no. There are four part stories that feel slower than this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm um, looking at the, you, the wheel in space. Uh, but... <laughs> it's a six part story. Oh well, never mind then. Yeah. Um, but still, I just feel like know. the first part of the wheel in space is like three episodes long, and uh, it's a. Uh, yeah, it's cool. And oh, the other thing that I noticed this yeah. time that I kept forgetting is that, you know, the the unit HQ scenes, they're in an airplane. Mm-hmm. Like, I keep forgetting that. I didn't even really quite realize it until somebody tells Zoe, you know, sit down. It's a bit of a bumpy ride today. Yeah. And I was just like, what? Oh, right. They drove into and then they later drive out of a plane. It's like a flying HQ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of a shame we didn't get an exterior shot, just to, yes. and the, as an establishing thing, you know, mm-hmm. even if it just be a model shot, but I suppose that costs money, but you know. Yeah, but like you never even see the entirety of the outside of it. All you mm-hmm. see is just the ramp and a vehicle driving in or out. Yeah. Isn't there a Target novelization that has like a giant unit um, spaceship or aircraft carrier or something like oh, that yeah, that's... yeah yeah we'll get into that's uh for day of the daleks when, oh, okay. which we'll talk about in mm-hmm. a while it's not too far away now but yeah um my oft-repeated story on radio free scarl i will not utter that here out of context okay. <laughs> i've i've told it and, and oh fine um so <laughs> so the in my youth um I went to the library in my hometown of Camrose, Alberta, and they had the Pinnacle novelizations, which are basically reprints of the Target novelizations, but with different covers. I think they made ten or twelve in the in North America. They had a different wacky logo on it, like this weird kind of like swooping uh, uh, arc arch-like logo on the front they had like an introduction i think from like harlan ellison sure did yeah um and a couple like little bits so basically targeted towards like those people who perhaps had just started watching doctor who on like pbs in like 1978 or 79 or something and but the covers were not drawn by the same people who did the ones in the uk and so they were also done by people who had never seen doctor who (laughs) Um, so there were interesting one like there was I think the mask of Mad Dragon was relatively like there was a mask that looks quite close to what the masks that were being worn in that story, uh, and there were other ones that were a little less accurate, but the least accurate one of them all, and the one that really messed me up as a kid 
was the one for Day of the Daleks because they had uh, an an ape who I guess would have been a, an ogron, mm. but it just looked like like you're like a Planet of the Apes ape, um, and a planet, and then a big giant space cruiser with a unit on the back bold red letters and so there's a unit space cruiser and honestly it was the space cruiser that met, made me intrigued in the book because i was into space cruisers because of star wars and mm-hmm. stuff so i wonder if i would have not got that book mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that space cruiser but i remember reading through it and going i don't see any space cruisers in this <laughs> book what is going on at this so one day i kind of would like for there to be a unit in like the 24th century or something and, mm-hmm. and Doctor Who to encounter a space cruiser by unit in, in mm-hmm. space. I was thinking maybe it's, it's not actually a space cruiser. It's just a really big plane and it's this. It's the HQ. Well, you know what? In, um, what was it now? The Sontaran Stratagem. They had did have that big giant mm-hmm. plane, remember? And I think we also had it in Last of the Time Lords as well. Actually, Last of the Time Lords was the first mm-hmm. appearance and yep. it came back. I can't yeah. remember... Valiant, the Valiant. The Valiant, that's the one, yeah. Um, so maybe I think I probably said this at the time. Actually, that's probably an homage to that <laughs> Pinnacle novelization cover. <laughs> that's delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that uh, later on mm-hmm. in this here podcast. But ne- but next up, this is exciting because uh, as we've um, hinted at or told the people on the twitters at Lazy Doctor Who, that Sunday, February 3rd, is Super Bowl Sunday for most people. But for us, it's counter-programming day. So we are going to watch at least all four episodes of The Crotons on Sunday and do podcasts about them. Yep. Happy birthday to you. It's The Crotons. What better birthday present could I ask than to watch all four episodes of The Crotons? I certainly can't think of anything better. Exactly. And I hope you all watch along with us and enjoy the show. Uh, the Super Bowl takes forever to play, so maybe we'll dip into the Seeds of Death too. But it's also a very long day, and you have to go to work on, on Monday morning. So um, some people could find a good reason to get to sleep by watching the episodes of the Seeds of Death, but not this hombre. I quite like that story a lot. So Whatever. Who's falling asleep to the Seeds of Death? You people are wrong. I know. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they were affected by the cyber invasion. Oh. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like fee fi fo fum a little bit, that sound. It's like, and then you've got the lumbering giants of the Cybermen Ooh. coming in. fee fi fo fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. And they are all English. That's very true. Most of them, I think. I think so. Uh, is that it then about uh, the invasion and stuff? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, I'm very sleepy. I understand. This this is uh not spoilers. This is the last time we see the Cybermen for another 7 years in Doctor Who. Whoa. Did you not know that? I well, I don't know specifics of dates or details, oh. so I guess I didn't really I I kind of knew in my head that there wasn't a lot or any Cybermen in the uh in the uh, John Pertwee era, but yeah, wow. Spoilers. There's a brief cameo or two, but mm-hmm. uh but yeah, basically you look at this story and think, well, what other Cyberman story could they do <laughs> that was unit-based? They've done it, so mm-hmm. hence, no more right. Cybermen. Yeah, I mean, like if you're going to go out, go out big. This is a, this is a pretty pretty epic. We keep using that that word, we but do. I feel like it's it's warranted. Yeah, but also, you know what? Not using the Cybermen anymore was really a also another sign of a change in direction from, you know, future space 
silver suited aliens mm-hmm. to not that, <laughs> you know, yep. to this more earth based uh, approach that they were going to attempt uh, the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, but not next time. Not next time, because it's even bigger silver suited space aliens <laughs> with the crotons. Yes, indeed. Okay. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.